Today we welcome Tom Saxton, head women's uh, varsity soccer coach, to the program. I'm joined by President Sam Stanley. And uh, uh, Tom, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure, Bill. I'm honored to be here and uh, uh, excited to meet President Stanley and uh, really appreciate his leadership and, and yours as well and uh, happy to join you today. So so you've been uh, – so I'll sort of out you here a little bit. You've been the uh, the head women's soccer coach for a very, very long time, uh, over 30 years. Uh, how has the sport evolved? How have things changed here at MSU? Uh, what, what's different from uh, now from when you started so many years ago? Well, first let me say uh, what a dream and an honor it's been for me. It's uh, to, to be able to coach at my alma mater and, and, and work for such a great university all these years is really something I'm very, very grateful for. And uh, to your question, there has been quite a bit of change. Uh, you know, the, uh, the game itself, uh, women's soccer has evolved from really just a handful of teams. There was only two Big Ten teams that sponsored soccer when I started, and now there's over 330 Division One teams, including all the Power Five conferences that sponsor women's soccer. So that growth has been incredible and been fun to be a part of. And then here on campus, just the evolution of uh, our athletics department and our university over the years uh, has been incredible. I mean, we, when I played here, uh, I finished in 82, we played on what is now the football practice field on a really kind of a, almost a intramural type field uh, and we were lucky enough to move down to what is such a beautiful space at Old College Field in the mid 80s and kind of uh, watch that space grow and improve and it's part of a fundraising campaign to to bring new life to Old College Field and now it's just a spectacular place for college athletics. We have our own stadium, we have lights, it's been just uh, year after year uh, growth and support from the university but we really appreciate it. So MSU I think is a little unique in that the uh, we were we were talking earlier with uh, with Damon Rensing, the, the the men's soccer coach, and and it is always extraordinary to me that uh, over the course of something like fifty years, forty years, uh, in that program there have been two head coaches, and uh, with your long tenure, uh, we've had very very few soccer coaches at Michigan State on either the the men's or women's side, which I think has resulted in. Uh, a very strong connection. For example, the uh, uh, the the annual soccer banquet for the two theme, two teams is held jointly, um, which is which is a bit unique. Uh, talk about the uh, how the impact of that. How how the uh, the, the relationship between uh, you as the women's coach and and your your colleague on the other side of the aisles as the men's coach have strengthened your programs and and the impact that's had. I think it's been great for our student athletes primarily because the unlike what we might hear at other other universities there's no there's really a, a great deal of support between the two teams and a great relationship and 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 that's what we see day to day and and uh you know sometimes teams fight for space I mean we share the same practice field that we have a really really great uh working relationship and, and, and a fair one. And so I, I think both the, the men and women's teams feel a, a, a great kinship, uh, that they're treated fairly and equally, and, that, and that's been important. And that's evolved out of the fact that uh, we kind of, Damon and I both kind of grew out of uh, the, the, the coaching tree of Joe Baum, who um, in 1986, when the women's program was founded, uh, had been the men's coach for approximately 10 years. And the AD at the time, Doug Weaver, probably in an effort to, to be efficient uh, financially, um, asked Joe to coach both teams. So uh, that's when I was lucky enough. I was At the time, I was coaching uh, 
the men's program at Delta College up in Saginaw and coaching high school soccer at Flint Central. And Joe asked me to come back to campus in 86 and serve as his assistant for both teams. So him and I, for five years, coached the men's and women's soccer program here, um, which is a great experience for a young man like me, but it was tough. There was a lot of, a lot of hours and you had to kind of go from, uh, if you were playing a doubleheader, which we did a lot back then, you'd you know, maybe lose a tough game in the last minute and you have to kind of go like this and be, you know, ready to go for a, and, you know, kind of regroup and, and get ready to coach the next team with, with a fresh attitude. But uh, lots of great times, lots of great camaraderies, lots of great relationships developed. And uh, when we decided to split the programs appropriately, so in 91, I was fortunate enough to get the women's job. And then ironically, uh, as Damon was wrapping up his playing career here, he he had a uh, another semester to finish his degree, and and I had got to know him uh, quite well in camp settings and whatnot. And I asked him to be my undergraduate assistant as he was wrapping up his degree, and that worked out really, really well. And kind of got him kickstarted into the coaching ranks, and uh, he was very helpful with me. And I've, I hold him in such high regard; he's a great friend, but also such a great coach. And and we've just kind of carried on that that partnership and that tradition. And we have a couple special events. One, one as you mentioned, Bill, is, a, is the banquet, which is a really unique tradition to do that together the way we do it. Um, and then we hand, we host a, uh, this year I think will be the 29th annual, we host a golf outing together in, in May, which has been a great uh, event for our alums. We really get a nice turnout every year. It's, it's, uh, it is a fundraising event, but uh, I think Damon calls it friend-raising as well, and it, it, it is a special special day every, every, every May. And, of course, we do camps and clinics together and, and – uh, Again, just uh, wouldn't want it to be any other way. You know, I've heard some horror stories maybe in other institutions where there's a lot of headbutting between the, the programs, but uh, we're totally the opposite here, so I'm, I'm very pleased with that. I want to change gears for a second, and I'm just always interested in our national program for, for the U.S. And I'm kind of curious, the women, you know, obviously have had extraordinary success and, and you know, the premier program in the world at this point in time. Men have kind of lagged behind. Um, and, you know, part of that, I guess, is related to how long soccer has been a sport that women have been playing and maybe the U.S. was pioneering that. Is that the whole reason or are there other reasons, do you think, why, you know, the men have not really had anything approximating the same level of success and dominance the women have had? I, I do think, uh, President Stanley, we got off to a, a little bit of a head start on things, and, and uh, the, we have had, as you mentioned, great success. And we've, we kind of structured uh, aggressively a women's program uh, starting back in the early 80s where I think some of the other traditional soccer-playing countries around the world uh, maybe weren't ready to take that step yet. I think some of it was embedded in their culture. I think a lot of, a lot of the Latin American countries, um, women playing a sport like soccer wasn't really celebrated. That that sport, I think, in a lot of the uh, the traditional countries is very much like American football. It's a very macho type of thing. So it took a little while for those barriers to, to break down in other countries. And, and yet in the meantime, here in the United States, we've continued to uh, progress, develop, and with, as I mentioned, the growth of the women's game in the college level has also helped and worked hand-in-hand hand with our national team program. And um, it's been inspirational. Um, it's put our, our sport on the map. It's, uh, it's celebrated uh, women's athletics uh, with our success in the World Cup and the Olympics at a level that uh, has been much needed over the years. And I think, uh, I think the men will always be in a tougher uh, worldwide uh, arena, without a doubt, because you've got some uh, countries like Brazil or Germany or England that just have deep hundred-year traditions where um, when we wake, when we, you know, 
start to grow up, we might think about playing multiple sports as a dream. In, in a lot of those countries, there's one dream, and that's to, to play soccer. So they really kind of get, uh, get kind of a cultural advantage there, I think, over our men. But we have that tradition now in the States with, with the women's game. I've, I mean, I have nieces that are, you know, dressed up in their, their, uh, their gear for the World Cup this summer, and, and it's, it's, it's really been quite special. So uh, hopefully the men will continue to, to work at catching up, but the, we are uh, really enjoying the, the, the ride on, on the women's side for sure. Extraordinary sense of national pride uh, in the women's it's program. So and wonderful to see people traveling with the team all over the world and the sense of excitement people have. So uh, I know I share it, and I've mentioned before, uh, my my son was a high school classmate with Becky Sauerbrunn, and oh, they were friends. Awesome. And so, so we've always had kind of a personal tie to the team as well yeah, since absolutely. she's been on it, but uh, they're, they're great, great performers on, on the biggest stage. So we have kind of a... Uh, an exciting situation. It didn't quite get to the point we wanted it to, but uh, our freshman, Bria Scrotenbohr, uh was called into the under-20 camp in de- December, and we went down. It was it was it coincided with an event that we go to recruit, so we were able to watch her play against Brazil for the under-20s, which was unbelievably cool. And she uh, then got called back in in January for their kind of final uh, cut, basically. Unfortunately, didn't make it, but uh, U-20s are Right now, as we speak, uh, qualifying for the World Cup in uh, the Dominican Republic. But they were so happy with with what she offered as she's going, hopefully she will, with the uh, outbreaks that are going on. On Friday, she'll be leaving to Spain with the under-19 national team to, to represent uh, the country in a three-team tournament over there. So uh, we're, we're very proud of her. We're very excited. I think her future is bright. But anytime we have an opportunity to have one of our student-athletes uh, even get close to representing the United States in any way, and we've had several at the youth level, um, it's it's a highlight for us without a doubt. That's exciting. When I talk to friends that uh, that coach basketball, uh, to use an, uh, to make an analogy, they talk about basketball, the, the men's game and the women's game, as, as very strategically different games in the way that they assess the competition, in the way that they uh, develop strategy and 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 plays and and that kind of thing. Um, is that true in soccer or not so much? I mean, in basketball, you have a height differential, for example, sure. that creates strategic differences just in in how the game is played. And I don't. It's it's not not a better or worse. It's it's a it's sure. a it's a different kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I just curious uh, uh, if you are coaching a men's team versus a women's team. Are there are there differences in in strategy or because you don't have things like a height differential, it's it's a very similar game. Yeah, not not so much, Bill. To be honest with you, I think it's it is very similar to and and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't take a different approach. I think the game the game has evolved and there's trends like there is in every sport, uh, based on the the latest and the greatest and the, and you know Liverpool right now is the the probably the best club team in the world and their coach. Uh, Kind of brought this pressing game into into play in the last few years, and everybody all over the all over the world has kind of taken on the the playing with a higher press, and and it doesn't matter male or female. We saw it in the World Cup last summer. They were using the tactics that you're seeing from the finest uh, clubs and coaches in the world. Um, there's, of course, uh, I think there's a difference in speed of play a little bit, but uh, as we continue to develop as athletes, stronger, uh, faster, the window of decision making. It's tight. It's you know relatively tighter at our end too. So you really do kind of uh, I think take similar approaches. Back in the day when I was working with Joe Baum and coaching both teams, we really 
took that approach at that time too. I mean, it's uh, soccer because it doesn't depend so much on you know Leo Messi's five four five five. It really doesn't matter how tall you are. Um, speed certainly matters without a doubt, and yet technique, the ability to uh, to maneuver the ball, what you can do with the ball is most important of all. And you know we we're able at, with the development in the women's game in the United States to, to recruit very skillful uh, student athletes. So. I guess the sh- the uh, summary is there's really not that much difference in the approach, uh, gender-wise, in our sport. When when you're coaching soccer, obviously uh, d- during the season you're playing a lot of soccer. Um, in the off season, uh, what do your uh, what do your women do to to keep in shape? How do they uh, how, how do they keep keep busy uh, during the off season time? Well, the as you know, we have different sets of rules that go in and out in terms of the amount of time we can train with them. And, and, and uh, so we go from the 20-hour weeks that we have during the regular season into an eight-hour phase and then back into a 20. And because it is so uh, demanding, we play in a relatively short uh, footprint in, in the college women's game. We, we jam 20 games into like 11 weeks, and that's a lot of soccer at our level. So we're, we're doing a lot of recovery and very little strength training because of the the, uh, the the toll it takes on on the muscle groups and whatnot, and just p- pretty much focusing on the game, the recovery, and the, and the cycle again. When we get to the off season, the first thing we do is we try to uh, take a breather, but reset and get them into the strength and conditioning rooms and uh, have them you know work on uh, you know some basic uh, strength strength uh, improvements, enhancements. So they'll lift two days a week, um, and then we'll do what we call technical training, uh, a couple hours a week. And we use the various facilities at the IM and, and, and Duffy and, and work in groups of uh, usually one coach to four players, which is one of my favorite times of the year because I get to interact at a more personal level with our student athletes and break their game down a little bit more and work with them on what they can do with the ball, which is really kind of the essence of the game, as I mentioned earlier. So that's a cool time for us. Now we've switched back into a uh, our 20 hours, and we're allowed to play five exhibitions, which we have scheduled this spring. So um, we're back at it pretty intensely, but we're balancing the opportunity to help them get stronger uh, in the weight room with the soccer and the preparation for matches. And then the other thing we've added in the last couple of years that have been has been actually, I think, very beneficial, both physically and, and maybe more importantly psychologically, is we do yoga uh, as a team once a week, which uh, I've really – I really am seeing some uh, some changes there. I think you know, practicing a little bit of mindfulness, getting in the, and getting uh, the yoga positions, and all the demands that they put on you, and it helps flexibility, but it really helps, I think, uh, the psychology of the student athlete. So that's something that I would definitely plan on continuing during the winter. If we could ever fit it in in the fall, it might be really beneficial. But it, as I said earlier, it's a, it's a busy time for us. Very tight. So as you as you go into your spring season, are there uh, uh, any any uh, players we should be particularly keeping our eye out for, uh, either uh, returning uh, veterans or, or or newcomers that uh, that we ought to be be watching out for. Absolutely, I, I mentioned Bria already, and she's a center back, so she'll uh, when she gets back from Spain, she'll you know she'll anchor our back line. She's uh, we have eight starters back from last last fall, so there's there's uh, I think some good experience there. I'm really excited about our our front line. We have. Uh, Three forwards, all underclassmen, um, that have scored goals in, in Big Ten games, scored goals for us already, proven goal scorers. One is Gia Wahlberg. She will be a junior this fall. Gia was uh, one of the top three scorers in the nation 
going into the second week of Big Ten play and unfortunately hurt her knee against Minnesota and was out the rest of the Big Ten season. So having her back and healthy and watching her interact with Cameron Evans, uh, our center forward, and Paige Weber, our freshman uh, wing, has been fun. We're getting them to play off of each other a little bit more, and that's going to be really important for us to be a strong offensive team next fall. We, uh, we've been talking a lot in the office with the staff about uh, kind of the concept of the, uh, the proverbial inches because we lost, uh, I think, seven one-goal games in Big Ten play last year. So we really are looking to find a way to take those next steps. So hopefully Bria can uh, help us anchor a strong defense and uh, we'll continue to see those those three underclassmen uh, uh, score more and more goals for us because that's the name of the game. In MSU Athletics, one of the things we we spend a lot of time on is focusing on you know, three paths towards success, you know. Success on the field of play, success in the classroom, setting our young people up to be successful in whatever their life's pursuit is. How do you emphasize success in the classroom? We do it with uh, celebrating our tradition and making it uh, – it's, it's a team goal. It's, you walk into our, our locker room and it's right in your face. We have goals in different areas in community service, what we do on the field, our preparation for training. But academics is at the top and it's been a – uh, it's been a tradition that I'm very proud of. I was, I'm a graduate of our ed- school of education. I was a teacher. I believe I still am a teacher. I think, uh, we as coaches, regardless of the, le- of the level, uh, we're competing in, we're in the education business. So I take that, uh, very, very seriously. I'm very, very proud of the tradition we have within our program. We've, uh, I think ourselves in Penn state have far more, uh, academic all Big Ten honorees than anybody else in the conference if you look at the, the archives. And I've also, I'm very proud to say that I've coached a Rhodes Scholar, which is one of my highlights of my career. So that's that's the kind of thing we celebrate and just let our players know when we recruit them, when they come in, that this is what we're all about. Okay, you're getting a, a great degree here at Michigan State. And oh, by the way, you're also getting to compete in, in intercollegiate athletics in one of the uh, great conferences in the, in the country. So um, they go hand-in-hand, hand, but academics is always first, and our, our, our student-athletes know that. That's a great answer, and uh, really appreciate, Coach, you making that part of the ethos, really, of the team. That, that's spectacular. And I was um, doing alumni uh, question and answers uh, just a couple days ago, and someone said to me, you're, you're talking about, you know, the athletic program, but, you know, what about the academics? And I said, well, you know, obviously they're important, but let me tell you, our athletic program has some incredible strengths in academics as well, and I think you should recognize that we're among the top in the Big Ten in terms of our scholastic Hall-Americans, and also the fact that 78 of our student-athletes at Michigan State University had a 4.0 average uh, overall. So I said, we don't need to separate those things. We can talk about them in the same sentence. And so I was proud to be able to do that. And thank you for your part in helping to make that happen. Thank you. So we're very proud of it. So we'll wrap up with with one of my favorite questions, which is, uh, as you think about it, you reflect on your time at MSU, either as a a student-athlete or in your many years as a coach, is there a, a favorite memory you have, something that, that stands out as a, uh, uh, as, as, as a special moment? I think with my team, um, you know, we won the first ever Big Ten title. That, that was long ago, and I can't tell you I remember it as well as I probably should, mm-hmm. uh, used to. But, you know, that was certainly special. But uh, I think, uh, you know, we had uh, our, our, our probably our – our best alum is a young lady. Her, her married name is Laura Heatheis. Her, her her name when she was here is Laura Highbor. She was a three-time All-American. She's an academic All-American. Her picture hangs in the Smith Center in the in the 
Portrait Gallery there, and she was a, a first-round draft choice in the professional league. And that for in the women's game, that's fairly rare, so that was a really good moment uh, as far as that goes. As a fan of Michigan State Athletics, because I truly am a fan, is uh, because I'm a I'm a Flint native, is when uh, Coach Izzo won the national championship with the Flintstones. That's certainly – I was at the game. I'll never forget uh, – Mateen limping out there again in the second half after uh, in, in our win over Florida. So that was incredibly special for me as a, as a native of Flint. I went to Flint Northern where quite a few of those guys attended school. So that was a, almost a surreal blending of my, my upbringing and my, uh, and my alma mater and, and the highest level you can get to. And then, again, I, I've enjoyed a lot of different facets of, of life here. All three of my sons are graduates of Michigan State. I'm very proud of that. And uh, it's just been an incredible community. The people here are great, and uh, they always will be. Well, Tom, thanks for joining us today. Again, we're joined by a head uh, women's uh, varsity soccer coach, Tom Saxton, and uh, uh, President Sam Stanley. And uh, thank you very much for joining us today on the program. It's been my honor. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, President Stanley.